Thank you for tuning in to the Switch Masters podcast. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, SS96. Use the promo code SWISHMASTERS. That's right, SWISHMASTERS, the name of the podcast, for 15% off today on all merch at ss96.net. Also, be sure to follow Straight Stoner as well as Executive Productions on all socials. See you soon, and thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Back to the Swiss Masters podcast. Welcome back. I'm your co-host, Kill the Guru. What up and welcome in. Zay, the executive producer here. What's happening, Q? What's happening, Zay? Long time, man. It's been a long time. We'll be back. Thank y'all for y'all's patience. A lot of a lot of NBA, a lot of basketball, a lot of news. So we're gonna debut a new segment, try to get through most of it called Fast Break. Me and Zay gonna hit on topic. Pass the topic to the next person. So, um, one big piece of news that happened while we we're out: Quinn Snyder, supporting sign of a five-year contract with the Atlanta Hawks. Say, will Quinn Snyder really make an impact for the Hawks? Yes, in the future, I think that this season is a little bit too late to salvage. But next year, with them making some probably a few moves and free agency and maybe some trades, whatever, having a fresh start with under, under Quinn Snyder, they're going to be better. They're going to be back in the playoff run at least um, and maybe gearing up to make a, a deep playoff run. So I, I do think that it's a good hire. It's a good impact, and they needed a new energy in that locker room. So it's a good move by the Hawks. In other news, we also – in these past couple of weeks, man, it's just it's been crazy. But we got a lot of, a lot of injuries, a lot of big injuries, man. Kevin Durant being one of them. Recently, just came back and made his debut with the Suns, out for the, <laughs> out for the home debut and slips and 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 twists the ankle. What are your thoughts on KD's injury? How it happened and, and how it impacts the Suns, man? It's, well. Yeah, it was, it's something. It's, it, the only thing, too, is his home debut. Because fans are right over to see him. They got the fresh jerseys. And KD injures himself like that. It's tough. I think we know KD is, I want to say injury prone, but see, he, he, he's bounced back in, in, in injuries. So I want to say he's just injury prone, but it's something to keep a lookout for. As far as the Suns' impact, Katie is not 100% ready to go by the time playoffs start. I think you consider the Suns not a finals team, for sure. Hmm. Before, if Katie is fully healthy, yeah, finals favorite, for sure. But Katie's out, and then you got to build uh, build the stamina back up, right? Get to the conditioning again. And then it's a brand new team. Get that dynamics working. It's less time to do all those things and to build the chemistry. So this year, I would kind of Say it's now for the Suns. Hopefully, get everyone healthy and make a solid run next year. Uh, because the West is just too tight. It's, it's so tight. It's tough out there, man. It's real tough. And you mentioned injuries. Another injury happened in the West, too. PG suffered a hyperextended knee. It seems like he'll be out for some time, at least a couple weeks. 
So, Zay, what do you think of Paul George's impact on the Clippers? This is a huge blow to the Clippers. Uh, Paul George being the type of player that he is, having an impact on offense, defense, just overall team morale. It's going to be very hard for them. They already were kind of in a bad spot as far as their, I guess, ranking in the West, and it's gotten tougher. On top of now having a lot of new pieces with Russell, Russell Westbrook, with Bones Highland, with Eric Gordon, all these new pieces that they've traded for and, and kind of like made a shift and made a, a team swap, basically. And now your second, second best player goes down like this, and you're already kind of struggling, not really... Not that they're a bad team. They just, they need that time to gel and he's going out. It's like, ah, and he's trying to make a deep playoff run. So it's, it's. I feel like it's going to be a, a, a big blow to their season. Um, I think that they still have, they can hold on and just kind of corral it together for the next couple of weeks. They'll be okay. But I, I, I think it's a huge loss for them. So we'll see. Uh, Another big injury, man. This one's sad to me. Lonzo Ball already has been out this entire season. Found out he has to have another surgery. Already out for since January of last year. What do you think about this for Lonzo going forward? It's tough. Now he's out for the rest of the season. Um... Ball is a really good addition to what the Bulls are trying to do. Just that we haven't really seen that potential because of his absence. This injury is very concerning, but they're very hopeful that after this procedure is done, it'll be more stable. So, honestly, our prayers and well wishes to Lonzo Ball. Pray he gets healthy so we can see him on the court again. But as far as like impact on the Bulls, they've been dealing with this situation the whole season. So yep. it doesn't really move the needle at all, honestly, because they've been dealing with it the whole time. So, sure. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those are all those. So yeah, those are a lot of injuries. Uh, recently, Jalen Brown spoke on the trade rumors that happened. You know, KD was suspected of going to potentially the Celtics. And Jalen Brown's name was brought up in the trade rumors, right? Jalen spoke about the whole thing. And based on his comments, I'm not going to say verbatim, but paraphrasing here, Jalen Brown just wants to be somewhere where he said he wants to be appreciated, right? So these people think, Zay, question, do you foresee Jalen Brown being a future Celtic, or do you see him going somewhere else? It's hard to say, honestly, but I think that he's, they've shown that Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum work together. They just got to the finals. So I don't see why they would that would change. I feel like they have a good relationship. They're still top one of the top teams in the East. They still have a chance for it. So I feel like they shouldn't. But when your name is brought up constantly in trade rumors and you see these things happening and, and you know, especially in today's business in the NBA, anybody is up on the table at this point. You can, you can be in, on the block. So, 
I don't um, I don't knock him for asking and, and you know just trying to make sure he understands the situation because you never know what a team might do a lot of times these guys get traded and find out in warm-ups you know so uh, I could see him continuing to be in talks especially somebody that the Celtics really like or whatever happens but I do uh, I don't I don't I don't I'm not gonna say for sure but I could see him finishing his career career elsewhere so it's it's possible it is possible um we'll see We all know Michael Jordan's beast. A lot of people consider him the greatest player of all time. Not so much as GM. <laughs> so it's kind of news here that he's considering to sell his $1.7 billion franchise state in California. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on value MJ potentially selling the Hornets? Got to make a business decision here, man. Um, the Hornets have, during his... 10 years as majority owner have not been very good. I mean, he's Michael Jordan. He's won at the highest of heights and, and the Hornets have barely made the playoffs in, you know, the past, I don't know, my entire lifespan, <laughs> I can recall. So, uh, I don't blame him. Uh, it's not a bad idea. And maybe, you know, maybe that change can spark something in the Hornets organization. We'll see. But he's still MJ on the court. <laughs> Just ownership and GM-wise, executive-wise, it doesn't always translate. So They want to mention that MJ really is the only black owner, though. And I would hope that he still has some type of... No, he's the only black majority owner. You know, Shaq has to stake in some things. D-Way has to stake in some things. But it's different when you're majority owner. So I just want to make sure to mention that too. Because we still want that. Um, we want diversity. So Representation. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. But yeah. Chad Records GM is definitely trash though. So, not the best. <laughs> no, it's not the best. Uh, Steve A commented on... Um, it may have to do something with his personality and mindset, whereas hiring the best people to do the job instead of just taking things on for yourself. So, you know, hiring the best GM, hiring the best, uh, you know, coach for this, and, you know, personnel, basically, personnel decisions. For sure. Who's the best person that can run those things? Right? So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. We'll, end, we'll end our segment on, um, news that kind of really went viral for the past couple of weeks too and player John Morant you all are familiar with the story by now uh, you were seen on social media doing things that the NBA viewed as negative um, he has been criticized by players and media all around um, we'll get a lot of quick thoughts and takes on it his job performed for the first time last night Came coming off the bench for the against the Rockets. 
he has done a sit-down interview with Jalen Rose. Um, so, yeah. Zez, get your thoughts first. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the whole John Moran situation and how does that impact the Grizzlies? I think that the Grizzlies, for the most part, handled it pretty well. Overall, the situation was not a good look, obviously, and, and they did their part to make sure that Jock got the help that he needed to be able to understand the magnitude of his decisions, his off-the-court um, activity as well as on the court makes a difference, and people are paying attention to it. So you have to be careful about the um, image you portray when you're a, a personality like John Morant. Like, he's NBA All-Star, and I, I get it, everyone has a life, but uh, when you're when you've reached this level of fame and and in some cases notoriety, your actions speak for you, even when you may think it's something small. And I feel like Ja understands that. I feel like the NBA did their part to uh, make sure that he understood it, and. Overall, like his suspension, I think made sense. Um, I don't think it, I saw a lot of people saying it should have been longer. And, and I, I think that oh, at least eight games, he, he has done all these public interviews. He's, he's seeming to understand it now. So um, I think that they handled it well and Hopefully he can be able to uh, move forward and understand how to operate as a as a business person because it's a business business decision at the end of the day to make sure that you aren't um, in the wrong highlighted in the wrong way. So one thing I will say though is um, part of the process of job was he checked himself into like a rehab counseling center. I think the main criticism that it was a really, really quick turnaround. Some people such as Jay Williams think that's, that seems very quick, um, which is a valid opinion. So it leads you to think, is this really gonna be changed behavior? However, I would like to also say that the NBA has seen it's not the same situation, but I want to bring up Kyrie Irving's situation as well, who had who people were calling for certain things to happen because they wanted to, they wanted to see the change behavior first before allowing Kyrie back, right? Yeah. So, in here, I think people want to see the change behavior first as well from Ja, and then allow Ja to come back. So I think that's where some of the criticism lies. Um, overall, I think it's a valid opinion, such as some people have said, such as Stephen A, that, Davis, that this was David Stern, Ja would have been out the whole season, for sure. Just a valid opinion. David Stern is more of a, is literally a more of a stern person that has a commissioner. Adam Silver is more of a player friendly, and he waited, and yeah, Overall, I think we'll know for sure how it goes based on anything else happens. 
there's some is there's any more is there if there's any other offseason drama or anything like Jaws spotlight is so heavy now because of all this yeah he's gonna have anything yeah he has to move very carefully if it's if it's um that means really monitoring who hangs around and all these things so I don't want to tell a person what to do and how they want to manage their stuff because he's his own person but if he wants to get the full bag and reach the full potential of everything, he really needs to monitor who he has around him and how to operate. You know, we gotta just gotta check all that. We gotta check all that. So, for sure. You brought up a good point about the uh, situation with Kyrie this past season, or I guess seasons, but I think a part of the reasoning behind Jaws return being and I understand that like obviously he checked into a facility for help and yeah, it was volunteer too by the way I want to make sure I make that clear he voluntarily did that it wasn't ordered or permission by anyone not for any reasons or anything uh, yeah and it was a volunteer for him to step away too so that was good yeah yeah I think it shows maturity and I think Ja and the league kind of understand how this can play out. I feel like with Kyrie Irving, uh, with his situation earlier getting suspended and, and everything that unfolded afterwards, there was a little bit more controversy because of, not because of like a um, action specifically. It's more so of what he believed. When yeah. Jaws' visual action was a little bit different. And I feel like they understood that there were some issues with Kyrie's whole like stipulation, make sure you do this, do this, and then you can come back. And I don't, I, I don't think they wanted the type of backlash. So I feel like that's probably why. And like you said, uh, Adam Silver is a little more open to discussion and player-friendly and, and trying to make sure that it's a partnership. It's not just like leader, follow me, whatever. But, and I respect that. I just think that the situation as it is, is a little bit different. And that's why like, and they saw how it played out with another player with, with Kyrie Irving. So I feel like they kind of wanted to find a balance, even though, yeah, he probably should have been out longer, if you want to put it that way, if, if certain actions, certain conduct is how you, you know, define this guy, but I think it's just kind of progressive to be able to look at the situation, analyze it, look at his actions on his own voluntar- voluntarily checking into a rehab facility and just because, like, we hear about the, the this part of it, he's probably going to be constantly doing it, like Therapy is a constant thing. It's just it's a lot of work that you have to do behind closed doors and continue to do. So I don't think it's gonna be like he just did like a couple sessions and now he's back. He's I think he's gonna be keep I hope he's continuing to go because I feel like I I know the benefits of therapy, going to it and doing the work. So uh hopefully he can do the same and hopefully the league can aid him in any type of way to be able to be the best version of himself on and off the court. Yeah, I want to be clear too, like uh, 
Yeah, you're right. The situations between Kyrie and Ja are totally two different things. Um, totally different um, levels of severity, you know. So uh, I think also a difference between the responses, though, is uh, one, yeah, the degree of the severity, right? Two, um, the initial reaction or response to it. Kyrie's initial response was more so, more closed minded. Right? Yeah. Whereas Jobs was more open to reflect and to do these things. And I'm, I'm take myself out. I'm going out the game. I'm gonna do this. You know, so then that's also being, I think that's also worthwhile to note. Yeah. About this as well. Uh, Again, I think we're both on the same page. Like to really see the fruits of it, will just depends on how the rest of the season goes. And the Grizzlies kind of tread the water for the most part. They did lose some games they should have won, but it's hard to win those games without your star player, your franchise player. So uh, I want to say that one of those games was against Miami. So <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I would say this too. This could also be a positive thing for the Grizzlies. Um, the eyes more well rested. Tim Legler had a great point that this is more rest for job. He has rest your legs because of this. So well, that's also a valid point. The legs. So yeah, we'll see how it depends on how the Grizzlies finish out their season, and will they not let it be a distraction? Yeah. Despite the other distractions they have on the team already, they're still in book stuff. <laughs> but they seem to be responding to that well, well too, you know, backing up your teammate, you know. So, I mean, yeah. What do you what do you, what is your take on on Dylan Brooks? Dylan though? Brooks, he's a uh, he's interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a silver angle to, to approach this. There's the whole him and Draymond Green thing. This man has paid over 200 something grand in fines. And Dylan Brooks is like, it's just paper. It's fine. This dude's attitude. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> At the same time, man, you just really make yourself out to be like a villain here. He's really embracing the role. And I like that. You need more villains in the NBA, you know? Um, He's so, very. Yeah. Um... Animated to me. He is. <laughs> he is. Dylan Rose really is. Um, and and when you do that, you, you, open, you, you open yourself up to that criticism when you do that. It's just like, Jeremiah has his own podcast and medium, so he's going off on Dylan Brooks. <laughs> so, <laughs> and Kyrie, did you see this? <laughs> the jersey? The jersey swap. <laughs> But well, not really a jersey swap. The jersey, um, se- the jersey sale, I guess. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Oh, you know, uh, yeah, that was uh, a <laughs> that's funny. He, I don't know, man. I, I, I get it. Like, you have to have an edge and and be the bad guy, or whatever. Like, we're you know. The Grizzlies, they want all the smoke. They run up the chimney. He's embracing that very, very much so. But it comes to a point where it's like, all right, man, really? Like, this is becoming, to to me, 
you're doing a little bit extra now. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the best way to speak is to let your game speak for you. But I get yeah. it. You know, it's, it's 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 entertainment at the end of the day. But yeah, and to be fair, he like, did uh, show up against the Warriors the next time they met up. So he showed up. Makes it interesting. It does. It adds more rivalry to the league, and you know, we like to see those things. We like to see the animosity. I'm okay with people being like, "I don't like you." You know, I'm okay with that. It's more realistic. That's why I like. Uh, that's why I respect guys like that. I respect like Kevin Kevin Garnett. Yes. Mad talker. Mad yes. talker. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. he also like. Was like just he backed, he backed it up. Oh, yeah, so I respect that. I like yeah, that. I, I feel like that. We've gotten away from that type of like uh, um, interaction between players. We don't. It's, yeah. it's very, very much a clean game for the most part. You know, so to to, to have that little bit of extra behind it, a little motivation when yeah. when team is, is nice to see and it's it's fun. So. Who's the who's the like worst trash talker right now in the NBA? Like the worst trash talker, or I mean, like you know what I mean? Like who talks the uh, most trash in the NBA? Basically, uh, I mean Dylan Brooks is probably like I feel like he he's making a name for himself now. I feel like in Draymond this. being a you know being a big bigger name that he's talking trash to like highlighted it, but I feel like he talks. To everyone, um, Beverly comes to mind for some reason. Beverly definitely talks a lot. Yeah, oh, Patrick. Man. The dude called Chris Paul the Coma. <laughs> oh yeah, right. he also has a podcast, so he'd be on the talking. <laughs> yeah, Pat Bev. I think Pat. I don't even think Pat Bev just like trash talks. I think he just like lets you know. He's here that he doesn't like you. <laughs> yeah, he just has that intensity as a player. I think he has like exudes super duper confidence in himself yes. and he never let other people he's going up against know. That's that's what I feel like. And he just kind of like plays into that. Yeah. But the fact that we don't know, that kind of says that just says things about the state of the NBA today. Because we're talking about like 80s, 90s, you know who the trash outs were. Because the players told you. They said it out right <laughs> in the interviews and everything. Yep. You know? So <laughs> just today's yeah. NBA, we don't really get that anymore. So it's, it's tough. It's interesting. Uh, but we have a large demographic, large age group, so I'm I'm assuming that the league probably wants to, you know, keep it as PG as they can. But uh it makes it interesting for us. Yeah. I've heard a lot about uh <laughs> I've watched a lot of podcasts and like some players that I've never like expected to be trash talkers, I've heard they they have a certain way. They don't trash talk in a traditional sense, but they they talk, you know what I mean? Like like Tim Duncan was one of the people that was brought up. He's like he he just like smiles and laughs at you when he like when you talk trash and he, like he goes out and, and, and would do you like bank shot every time. Like he just would yeah, like that one or something. It's just like 
Certain people, I'm like, why yeah. Leonard talk? Apparently, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned Kawhi Leonard. That leads to like another topic that we need to talk about too. So Kawhi literally got a tech the other like last night. He was against OKC. Um, for not for yeah. nothing much, in my opinion, like he didn't really do anything. He was like, because that was clearly a foul, by the way. And the ref missed the call. But this is Kawhi Leonard we're talking about. One of the quietest, most quietest dudes in the NBA. Like, no reaction ever. We make memes about this dude because of that. Yeah. Put together this dude to tech. And not only that, after the fact, Terrence Mann objected to, objected to um, Kawhi receiving the tech. And he got two techs in a row and got ejected. Now, the NBA rescinded one of those techs, so... That's good. That also yeah. meant that that rep made a mistake to me. Absolutely. And this leads me to another thing real quick, too. The Mavericks apparently <laughs> against Golden State was third quarter. The Mavs understood that they were going to get the ball. Now, Mark Cuban tweeted about all of this, so you can see this yourself. This is why the Mavs were on the other side of the court, right? Because they believe they were going to receive the ball. However, one of the refs apparently changed their mind. And they, and this ref, gave the ball to the Warriors, and the Warriors scored very easily. I would also like to say that the announcement arena, according to Mark Cuban, the announcement arena also said it was going to be Mavs ball. Uh, Mm -hmm. The PA announcer said it. So it was like it was understood that it was to be the, the Mavs ball after that time I was done. So mm-hmm. on the baseline, and, and apparently the ref didn't fail to communicate, and that's how the Warriors got an easy score. And the reason why this is so controversial right now is because guess how many points the Mavs lost by? <laughs> yes, just two. <laughs> just two. So uh, of course you know the game is more involved than that, but. If something like that happens, you know, it's tough. And so now as a result of it, the Mavs are protesting against and filing a grievance against the refs in that game. And I don't know what could happen as a result of this. I've never seen this happen before in my lifetime. <laughs> or are you going to replay the game from, from like that time out? Like, can you really fit that in your schedule? Are you going to like try to get the Warriors to like, are you going to make that a tie or... And if that's a tie, the West is so tight already. Yeah. Yeah, the West is tight already. You can't, you know, how they be determined. So it's like, I don't know. But I think the Mavs do have a point to file a grievance. Because that is kind of ridiculous, if that's true. And this is all alleged. It, uh, the refs have, have had a, had an interesting season for sure. Like, they have missing calls. Yeah. Like blatant it, calls. Yeah. And it's getting to a point where it's been so bad with some of these calls just being t- terrible calls or missing missing them completely. The whole like thing with the Mavs ball, but the Warriors got the ball, and they just it's them under the basket by themselves. Kevin Luna, easy dunk. 
you know it's bad when obviously the NBA doesn't want players to say certain things and or they're finding players for what they say in the media or you know you know it's bad when multiple guys are coming out and saying how the refs have made mistakes criticizing criticizing the refs knowing the fines knowing the knowing the consequences of that but seeing and everybody just in general as a fan just like is on is on this case with the refs. Like Fred Van Fleet <laughs> went off on the refs. Trey Young went off on the refs in in post post game conferences. And it's you see these type of things happen. Like the LeBron no call against the Celtics. I I looked at that video earlier today. Tatum smacked him, and then like when they like ducked under and and Tatum got the foul call. I'm like. That was pretty bad. It's it's been some blatant ones that have been. I get it. They're human and they can't call, catch every single thing. I'm not saying they have to call a perfect game by any means, but there are some that are very one sided sometimes. And then there are just crazy miscommunications and mistakes like we just saw with, in, in Dallas, which is like insane to to think about, but. The refs have, have have had some struggles this year for sure. And a lot of players are calling for there to be action against the refs to be held accountable, to be fined for their mistakes, to be reviewed, you know, instead of just getting the oh, we missed it, and that's the end of it, you know? Yeah, what's the point of that transparency if you're not gonna try to really make changes to you know correct it? With, like going back to that Lakers and Celtics game, they admitted to the mistakes they made in last minute report. But the game's over; you're not going to do anything to change the result, right? Because if they made that call, you can argue the Lakers would have won that game. Yeah, you can make that argument because it's literally the end of the game, and that's the direct impact on the result. Yeah, and. I- yeah, you go ahead. Oh, my bad. Um, I, I mean, I get, like, of course, you want feedback. You want to understand what happened. But this is not like a... Um, this is not like an app that you can go in and fix a bug and, and change something. This is, like, real time happening, and it's nothing you can do after that result. It is Man. now result. <laughs> so. My thing is, though, yo, we got... We play slow mo, all this technology. You and even everyone saw it in the arena, but you don't make change, or you don't owe to the cut. Ah, it's it's getting it's getting it's, it's getting bad out here. And when you get caught it's up in your feelings cool. about and you call a tech for no reason, that can change the flow of the game. Like Fred Van Vliet said, like it can change the flow of the game, the morale of the game. You don't want them. These are players. This is a game that's emotional, man. Absolutely. So it's like, you remember that video? Or no, this is a real thing. I was thinking about a, uh, <laughs> the career, the movie when he got thrown out the game. But you remember when Rasheed Wallace was in the league? He was with early days Trailblazers. Rasheed <laughs> yep. looked at the ref, sick. Didn't say a word. Didn't say a word. <laughs> Just stared at him. Sick. I'm like, and it's it's getting to. Kawhi Leonard, 
Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard got attacked. <laughs> what? What is happening right now? Yeah, get besides y'all, man. Like this, this is just. It's ridiculous. The league just needs to start openly doing something to announce that these uh, ref, refs are being like, I'm gonna say punished, but reprimanded somehow. You know, there are consequences to their actions. Yeah. Why Leonard, the quietest man on earth, <laughs> the quietest, most private player ever, got a tech for questioning a call? It's, it's, it's getting to a point, man, where if the refs don't allow the emotion of the game and I guess physically in real time catch up to the calls, we have the technology, the cameras, the audio equipment to be able to have replay center. There's going to be a fourth ref in, in virtual that's going to just be in the replay center that can possibly overturn turn a call or something. I feel like that's where the league is going to go, especially with how 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 many complaints there have been about refs this year. This year alone, I feel like I've I've always heard about, all right, you know, certain refs are harder to navigate around or, or there are certain games that are called tougher, called differently, but it's it's been consistently a, a topic that's trending over the season is that the referees have missed calls. The referees are not held accountable. So now what do you do with that? It's, it's too blatant, too obvious sometimes for it to just keep going unaddressed. So I, I think the league is going to make a shift with that. It's, or and I'm not saying it's going to happen next year, but down the line, they could be an option. I don't know. You, you gotta, you have to change these policies and and the result that just stands because of a couple bad calls here and there. It's 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 unfair to to the players and to the organizations that have you know been on the court competing. So it makes it makes the product bad, you know. Definitely real bad. There has to be some type of change, though. Yeah, it's got to be some type of change here, whether it's through technology, something, because it's so subjective. Being a referee, you have a mere position so subjective, bias, favoritism, uh, all that stuff plays a role. So, whereas. It should be objective, you know? This is a foul, was it not? Right. Uh, it's just a travel, was it not? You know, so I wonder sometimes if as technology advances, the NBA can implement more things to reduce the error or reduce the bias. I don't know. But we both agree it's, it's getting out of hand. Clearly, the players agree. Clearly, they do. So. I say just go ahead and start by doing legit reprimands on these referees so you'll be encouraged to not do those things and be out of you about it so be vocal yeah, about it that's, that's it for sure I feel like you have to put some kind of pressure on them because 
at the end of the day, they get paid a fair amount to, you know, call and they have, they can create the landscape of the game. And if at the end of the day, oh yeah, we missed that. Oh yeah, we missed that. Oh yeah, we missed that. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, exactly. you can't, you're, you're in a position, and I'm, I'm, I 100% understand they have one of the hardest jobs. Yes, it is. Hardest, the very hard job, because you have to like really be attentive. You have to understand the rules. You have to, you, you know, there's a lot going on. And it's the fastest pace of basketball ever. So yeah. it's very hard. But at the same time, you signed up for the job. So you need to be semi-equipped for the job. If, if you can't do X, Y, and Z, then you're not meeting the, the standard. You have to, and you can't. You, I, I feel like it's kind of it kind of sucks because you you can't just say I missed it. Oh yeah, I missed that. Like, there's a difference. There's a difference. If a player misses a shot, they can lose game or they could not. But the, the that should be the determining factor, not the referee missed this call when you got smacked the side of the head and, and couldn't make the layup, but you get, didn't get a foul call, didn't get a chance for free throws. Not even like the, that makes a difference, but you can get the chance. It's like the chance is what you want. You want the right. chance. So, yeah, be some accountability there, like a fine or or you know, doctor pay. I don't. Know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to take it away from anybody's bag, but it's just you gotta you gotta do something. You gotta do something. Yeah. Players can be benched for making mistakes. These reps or something like get them out the rotation more, and I don't know. So, I don't know. They need to do something. Uh, <clears throat> so, we're about to start our new series here. We're going to debate the best player in each position of all time. And today, <laughs> for today's segment, we're focusing on the point guard. Which is definitely one of more. I I predicted predicted this to be the most uh, controversial, maybe. So we'll give our take. We're also gonna put a poll out there to see what you guys' thoughts are or who you agree with, and we'll pull up the list of the Swiss Masters like it's best team of all time. Basically, we're putting together all time. This is gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough though. Ooh, okay. Here we go. So point guards, man. We got a lot of great ones over the years, man. And uh also the position has evolved so much over the years, especially now in this positionless era. But yes, man. Um for me, man, point guard to me is the leader on the floor. They have the, the ball in their hands. They make plays, they make shots, and they bring lead play on both ends of the floor. They dictate the flow of the game. When I think of that, when I think of these characteristics, Magic Johnson, and I know this is, this is, this is different. He's, but to me, Magic, in, in terms of like his impact of what he was able to do 
his ability at his size and just how he played the game, just the passes, you built the no looks, like the, the look of his game matched how impactful he was in the game. And not only that, he could do so many things on the court. If he needed to, he played center in the finals. You know what I mean? But obviously not all point guards can do that. But his versatility to be able to score, to be able to pass, to be able to defend, rebound, make shots was insane. So I think for me, man, and I know there are some really good point guards that I didn't mention, but Magic Johnson to me might be the best point guard like out there ever. I, yeah, I'm going with Magic. <laughs> good pick. That's a good pick. Uh, just to bring more options out there, uh, a short list on the best point guards of all time. Of course, this can include uh, John Stockton is the all-time lead assist leader. And that record may not ever be broken. Um, we also have Oscar Robertson, the original Triple Double King. Who's yeah. done, we're talking about all things on the court. That's the original. All yeah. things on the court. Uh, also have CP3, Jason Kidd, uh, of course Steph Curry, Steve Nash, uh, Isaiah Thomas. Hmm. Isaiah Thomas. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, fire competitor. Um, so literally one of the toughest point guards ever I've ever seen. Like tough. Yeah. Um, but for me. Just to, I could easily say Magic Johnson too, but to give the people options here, here what here what they pick. I'm leaning towards. I make an argument for two players. One argument is for one, one of the best four generals besides Magic Johnson I've seen in my lifetime is CP3. Mm. Because uh, his, when CP3 was in his prime, he can definitely be a team. He's excellent in his prime right now, so it's not the same. But CP3 was that dude. He <laughs> drive, mid-range game on point, three points. I mean, he, he can score in all facets. He's just three-level scorer. And the defense, that's the main thing I want to bring up, the defense. Chris Paul used to be well-known defensive man. Right? Yeah. Uh, if I think of point guard, I think of like both ends of the floor. Leaders, the leader on offense. And be able to hold your own on defense. And see if the was one of the best to do that. Other argument is Oscar Robinson for me. Basically like what I said before. Um yeah. while while I'm leaning a little bit towards Oscar Robinson, it's because he's actually won before. He actually reached that mark that CP3 hasn't yet. Yeah. Um CP3 has had some great teams and and as a leader of those of those teams. He's gonna get the blame for the failures as well. So just like he would have got so much blame, so much credit for the success. And he has experience blown leads. <laughs> you know, with those Clippers teams. Uh get injured at critical points, which is unfortunate. So oh, so that's why I'm saying my argument for uh 
Maybe Oscar Robson. Big go. Big go. Um, oh yeah, Oscar Robson. Uh, I feel like it's underrated because he was in so long time ago, long time. early days of the league. But yeah, he's the original Mister Trip the Bubble, and uh, just. I've seen some clips of him back in the day. I was like, this dude was different. Like he was doing, he was creating modern NBA type moves back in his day. So definitely, definitely one of the best point guards of all time for sure. Yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a long list of them, man. But just to name a big O. Isaiah Thomas, you know, one of the most influential with his handle, with everything he was able to do. Um, yeah. One of my favorite point guards, CP3, Jason Kidd. Pass, like passing is part of like my favorite part of the game. Right. And just like some of the passes that these guys were able to make and just control the flow of the game is, is crazy. But when I look at Magic and, and just and and he won. He he was a winner yeah. for sure. Yep, yeah, he was. Um, it's just crazy to to think how revolutionary his game is. When you think about that now yeah. when you look at it like Seven footers bringing got handled, bringing the ball up, breaking dudes down the ISO. LeBron also being like point forward, you know, the point forward era, like yeah. magic inspired that, I think. So. He did. You're right. Yeah. You wanted y'all, let's see what y'all lean towards. I think that could probably surprise me and say Steph Curry's. Steph, and I, I wanted, I want to. He's up there, man. Like, no, he's up there. Like, he's one, one of the, one of the greatest PGs. He is one of the greatest PGs. But I mean, a point. I think, I think it's mostly because of how we define the point guard role. Like again, we're we're doing point guards, not like best player all the time. We're just doing about position here. So I'll make sure y'all get that. Make sure y'all understand that. So, because uh, I think if the argument was who's a better player, people that would definitely be up for debate for sure. Uh, a lot of people will definitely say Steph. People may say Magic. So, but we're just talking about point guards right now, like position. Who plays a position the best? And, um, yeah. Right now, for us, it's between Magic and Big O. I feel like most people would agree with that list. I feel like most people would. It's about we prefer. And Magic does have more awards than Big O. But then again, Big O is the first one to ever average a triple double. Shows the all around aspect. But Magic is one of the best passers. But Oscar set up people up pretty well, too, though. Oh yeah, I uh, yeah, I just I gotta know. watch his highlights. That's all. I just gotta check out his highlights. Sure. 
one of the greats, man. Um, a lot of great, a lot of great point guards to to choose from, man. And I hope that everyone watching does like let us know, like what, let us know who you think is your best point guard of all time. Is it uh, Dennis Dame is a part of that list now too, since he's a top seventy-five player. Russell Westbrook is a top seventy-five player as well, so he should be on the list. Uh, Turn this other players man. Bob Cousy, uh, Mr. P. I'll just name it. Yeah. Uh, Jerry West. Now, these are some of the top players in the game right, that we know of. History. Who do y'all think is the best PG? Make sure y'all leave your comments. We'll be putting the poll out there. At some point soon too, so <clears throat> make sure y'all answer the poll. Give us your thoughts. We'll be doing a segment on this uh, every week. We'll tackle each position and talk about it. While we bring you the latest news and updates in the NBA world, so thank y'all again for your patience. We appreciate y'all for rapping with us. Keep sharing and subscribing. We appreciate y'all. And uh, this kill guru. Oh, real quick, final switch stuff. Um, final NBA, switch. yeah, both <laughs> yeah, right, right. We both we both share the same final switch. We want to make sure we take time to honor an NBA legend that recently passed away. I'm gonna say take it from here. Yeah, uh, NBA family lost one of the greatest leaders, um, gone but not forgotten. Man, shout out to the captain Willis Reed, one of the greatest Knicks players of all time. Uh, just recently died, recently passed uh, this past week, and we do want to commemorate, remember his memory, um, and rest in peace to one of the one of the best to ever do it. So, yeah. prayers and thoughts with the family and the NBA as well. Yeah. Yeah, being said, um, yeah, we're out. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Appreciate you. See you.